0: Hiatus, <laughs> Free, yeah. but uh, you guys knew how busy I was, <laughs> no excuses though, we're going to get back on schedule. This is episode 40 of the Orbital Zombie Dragon Podcast. I am your captain, Richard Boomzilla Pippin. I'm glad to be back. Like I said, took a little break. I had a lot of projects on the side that I was working on and uh, but I'm back now. And next month, I want to make some announcements. Next month is October. So our next episode coming up this uh, coming Sunday, we will kick off what we did last uh, year. It was only a couple months after we had started the podcast last year. Now it's a little over a year, but October is Horror Month, where normally I talk about sci-fi, horror, and fantasy, and then some story writing tips or share some story writing resources with you guys. All went long. In October, all we're going to talk about is horror. Horror books, horror movies, horror comics, horror video games, whatever I can find. And I will also probably uh, towards the end of the month give like uh, my my top, I don't know if it's going to be top five, top ten horror movies of the year so far, stuff to watch on Halloween night. So, <laughs> so we have that to look forward to here on OZD. Uh, also, I wanted to announce we have... Our uh, Instagram and Snapchat is up. They're both OZD podcasts. There's only one little video so far on the Instagram, but I plan on giving a few more little updates and stuff on there, pictures of me out and about, you know, doing my thing. Uh, maybe even some kind of like uh, behind the scenes, show you my gear, my equipment, uh, maybe even some tips there on how to set it up if you're thinking about podcasting, because there's a lot of information out there as far as setting up the website and feeds and stuff like that. But not a lot of good advice out there for people that aren't real familiar with sound equipment, like how to set it up, how to set up a soundboard like I have here on my phone so that I can play my theme music live and record it live. This is not added in later. This is all during my recording. So maybe I'll kind of show my my setup there. And my setup is kind of still in the process of being changed. I'm in the middle of upgrading. Again, when I started podcasting, I didn't know if I was really going to be into it or stick with it. Turns out I am, so I think I deserve a little equipment upgrades, working on that. So hopefully, uh, I mean, I mean, we always try to get the best sound quality here, but I know there's some other gear out there I can get, that will make this show even better. So, <laughs> again, is episode 40. want to jump right in, uh, see what we have for you today in the category sci-fi. I went to see a film called Morgan uh, Horror. I went to see Don't Breathe. And Fantasy did a little bit older film, The Spiderwick Chronicles, which I wasn't really familiar with before this. And in writing, I'm going to discuss a little writing resource that I found on YouTube that may be helpful to you if you're a new writer. So here we go. Morgan, sci-fi section, 2016 film starring Kate Mara, you know, from Fantastic Four and a bunch of other stuff she's been in. You know me, I like to mention genre stuff. She's been in like House of Cards and... All kind of stuff. She was also in the first season of American Horror Story. I don't know if she came back for any of the subsequent seasons. Only watched that up to season three so far. So, But I know she was in the first one. She was like the crazy uh, Dylan McDermott's crazy girlfriend that they moved to California to get away from. You know who Kate Mara is. Uh, You also have Anya Taylor-Joy, who I was not familiar with in this film. And, of course, the lovely Miss Rose Leslie. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Yeah, that that hot Scottish redhead right there. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I went into this film because a lot of people bashed it. And it was not doing well at the theaters. And they just, I don't know, it didn't look like it was going to be there for very long. because only a week in. And there was already only one showing. And it was at a weird, odd time at night, like 9.45 at night. So I sacrificed <laughs> for the show, like I usually did. I went see it some weirdo, freaking time at night, uh, getting out of the theater like almost midnight. But I wanted to see it before it left theaters because I felt uh, they were everybody, all these reviews, all these negative reviews I was seeing didn't sound like they were really reviewing just the film itself. They were comparing it to Ex Machina, Ex Machina I've talked about here on the podcast before. Amazing film, but a very different sort of film. I don't think it's right to compare the two. Very different movie, very different subject matter. So I just wish people would review movies for what they are, not compare them to the the, the last big sci-fi hit. Just tell me about this movie, what you thought of it, not uh, graded against X Machina, which is a very different film. X Machina was kind of about trying to become human. You know, you had an AI with a body and all that stuff, and they are in an isolated area. And she wanted to be human. Wanted to know what it was like to become human. She was growing into a human. Uh, this movie, Morgan, it's more about kind of a, without too, giving too much away, it's more kind of about a, a weapon that's designed to disguise itself as human and what that's like psychologically, I guess. So it's more of a psychological thriller. Well, they're both psychological thrillers, but... Uh, different subject matter, and different goals, different themes. So I don't think it was fair to compare it to Ex Machina. So I'm just going to talk about just Morgan and review it for what it is, not compare it. I want to say also, it was also kind of, uh, I mean, that was kind of the main theme, the the the, the weapon disguised the designed to disguise itself as human. But it's also kind of about, as far as the uh, the humans in the story, it's kind of about having a dangerous... Uh, emotional attachment or obsession with your work that kind of blinds you to its nature and we see this throughout sci-fi you get scientists that are working on something they're very passionate about it uh, not realizing what they're making what it could be used for and they're kind of blind to it because they're they're wrapped up their identity is wrapped up in accomplishing this this feat so it's kind of about that being blind to what you're working on because you're so uh, obsessed with it So, I mean, that's, you can go back, I mean, as far as you want in sci-fi, that theme is there about creating something that's potentially dangerous and uh, being kind of blind to it because you want that accomplishment so bad. Uh, This movie was uh, really good, I guess, as far as the storytelling. The only storytelling criticism I sort of have in, I'll mention it first, is there's kind of a lack of emotional attachment to the characters. Particularly the two main characters, it's hard to identify with them. Uh, the film actually kind of makes up for this with a couple of the other characters, which I guess are major characters, but they're not the two main characters. But uh, the two main characters, they they come off even you know Kate Mara's character, who is presumably human. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to give anything away. Uh, they seem kind of cold, detached unemotional, hard to relate to as a human being. So that's kind of the only storytelling criticism I have. As far as the rest of it, there is a twist at the end, which I'm not going to spoil for you. I'm just going to say I kind of saw it coming because there are there are several clues through throughout the movie. We talked about before about uh foreshadowing and now there's good foreshadowing and bad foreshadowing. Bad foreshadowing is where you just Here's the whole movie. You just give it all away right in the beginning. Everybody's like, oh, I know what the hell is going on now. Now I just have to sit through the next hour and 15 minutes that I already know everything that's going to happen. That's bad. This is an example of good foreshadowing. Again, this is just me because I I sit through a lot of these movies. I kind of know how writers work, how story writing works. I see these things coming a lot. Whereas other people, I don't know, might not. They might. You know, if they're into it as much as me, but (laughs) but this is good foreshadowing. There's a lot of little subtle clues throughout the movie that when you when you see the twisted end, you'll be ah that's what they were saying, or maybe you'll have to go back and watch it again to see to, to catch all the clues that were given. So good foreshadowing this movie, as far as the storytelling. Uh, other things I want to mention about this show is, uh, as as always on OGD, this is a pirate vessel, the fastest pirate vessel in the galaxy. And what do pirates like more than anything else? Booty. Pirates like booty. That's right. If you guess booty, you're 100% correct. We like booty. And I've got to be honest, there is a lack in this film of showing off Rose Leslie's hotness. But they make up for it with Kate Marrow. But Rose Leslie, you know, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Ultra hot. She's uh, pretty much wearing baggy grunge wear through the whole movie. Very disappointed. I mean, face is beautiful. Love her voice. So, <laughs> but there is a serious lack of Rose Leslie booty in this film. I know it can't all be Game of Thrones where you see the whole booty. But tell me something here. It's Rose Leslie. But <laughs> anyway... They make up for it with Kate Mara. There's a lot of, uh, mm, let's see, what the flavor of that is. Severe women and even more severe assassin business suits. You get a lot of that view of Kate Mara, and she comes off really hot in that. If a bit cold and detached, since you know she is basically uh, an assassin type. <laughs> uh, I also want to mention uh, Paul Giamatti. If you watch the trailer. Uh, It's not quite as bad to say the Suicide Squad thing where they made the the Joker seem prominent and he wasn't. Uh, The trailer for this film made Paul Giamatti's character seem very uh, prevalent, and he's really only in like a couple of small scenes, but it is Paul Giamatti, so they're really good scenes. I mean, he's the actor's actor. I don't even know what that means. I'm just saying that, actor's actor. (laughs) But he does make a brief appearance. You saw in the trailer, he's kind of like the expert psychiatrist they send in to talk to the experiment. Uh, What's her name? Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, Morgan. They send her in there to see if she's still viable, if she's a complete freaking psycho, if they need to abandon the project, if they need to terminate her. He's the one that comes in to make that determination, interviews Morgan to see if she's fuck nuts crazy or not. (laughs) Because there was an incident, there was an incident in the beginning of the film. N- not all that minor. I mean, pretty serious incident. Nobody died, but it was it was serious enough that the company that's sponsoring this whole thing sends in Paul Giamatti, the whole uh, crew of scientists and techs are kind of nervous about it because this is their life's work, and this guy with a flick of his pen can go fuck it and we're terminating this project because it's too fucking dangerous, too much of a liability. And he can just write it off, boom, done. Like I said, it's just a couple small scenes. Uh, you've seen it in the trailer. You know, he's he's there confronting her. Uh, you know, he plays nice at first. And you can see him kind of toying with her psychologically to get a response, some kind of response. Uh, kind of like his version of the Blade Runner test. <laughs> and he's just going, you know. Uh, No, that's nice. Your friends are nice. Do friends lock each people and their friends in in rooms, though? Do they lock them up? Uh, What about me? Do you like me? Do you like me? Uh, Am I your friend? You know, and he gets really confrontational with her, trying to get a rise out of her to see if if she just loses it on him, see if she's a liability. And he's like, what if I suggested that you be terminated? What would you do then? What would you do? What would you do? You know, that scene on the trailer, that's in there. But I can tell you, uh, you catch a small glimpse of her reaction to Paul Giamatti's character in the trailer. And when you see the full scene, what she really does to him, like the full effect of it, it's pretty uh, amazing and fast and brutal. And it's probably more brutal than you're imagining, even just me telling you this. But it was awesome scene. Paul Giamatti's awesome in everything he's in. And so is Rose Leslie's booty. So <laughs> uh, overall review of this film, despite what the critics say, that's stupid comparing it to Ex Machina, uh, this is a very good sinister sci-fi story with some really solid scares, some thrills, and even, like I said, a little surprise twist in the end. A lot of stuff implied. Uh, maybe leaving it open for a sequel, but I doubt that's going to happen. This movie did not do well at the theaters. I think uh, this is one of those cases where the critics just pretty much destroyed the movie. So not a lot of people went to see it. The critics just bleh, bleh, they just were vomiting all over it. So people didn't go risk their movie dollars on it. But I actually recommend going seeing it. It's probably not at your theater anymore either. But when it comes out on video, it's definitely worth a watch. It's a good, solid, like I said, sinister, creepy, thrill ride sci-fi story. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's my take on it it's not X machina but it's good okay different film don't compare <laughs> uh, on to horror let me uh degrees here horror i went to see don't breathe this was just the opposite it's probably still at your theater it's probably gonna be there for the next five fucking weeks Really popular film, really big. At the time I went to see it, it was the highest rated at, uh, movie at the theater that time. I didn't go see it on opening weekend. I went to see it a couple weekends later. And I saw a big crowd. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a big crowd. But no, they were all going to see Sully. That's what all those popcorn eaters were going to see. <laughs> I was going to see Sully. So, again, I got basically kind of a private screening of this film. It was me and, like, one couple in the theater. <laughs> I was going to see Sully, which I am not interested in whatsoever. Those uh those films about real events where they overly dramatize it and shit. That's no, that's not me. That's not my kind of film. I'm sure it's great. All right. I'm not shitting on Tom Hanks movies. <laughs> I'm sure it's probably great if you're in this sort of thing. But I was there to see Don't Breathe. So let's talk about Don't Breathe. Twenty sixteen film starring Stephen Lang, who you uh if you watch Salem. Which I did. That's where I knew him from, was Salem. He was uh, Increase Mathers, the old uh, pastor that come to town to, to burn the witches. Burn through the witches, dig, whatever. Stephen Lang was that guy. He was really good in Salem. He was really good in this. If you've seen some of the trailers, Stephen Lang is the older guy. He plays the old blind war veteran in this film. You also have Jane Levy, who I wasn't really familiar with. I think I'd seen her in something before. But uh, I know she was in the Evil Dead remake, but I've, I haven't seen that, so I, have, I don't have to compare it to. But and you had the two guys in there that were with her character, uh, Dylan Manette and Daniel Zavato. Hope I'm pronouncing those right. Uh, this show, hmm, this show was very tight, and tense, very edge of your seat sort of thriller. Doesn't let up. Uh, the setup of the story, I'm sure you've seen the trailer. Is basically these kind of. Mm, Good for nothings, <laughs> I'll say. Uh, Jane Levy's character, Dylan and Daniel, they play uh, the girl is Rocky. Uh, the the, the kind of good, smart kid's name is Alex. His dad owns a security company. Another guy that's kind of a thug. I'm, I forget his fucking name. He's not that important. But anyway, uh, <laughs> they're uh, robbing people using... Uh, Alex's connections with his dad's security company—they basically have access to getting people's files, get their security codes for their alarm system, break into these houses, make some extra money. The, the Rocky character, Jane Levy's character, is kind of in a—her motivation is she's a, in a bad home situation with a druggy mom and her boyfriend that's moved in, a very abusive sort of household—and they basically find out about this old man who is a old uh, war veteran and through scoping him out scoping his place out they find out that he's also blind from I don't know taking a grenade in the war or something like that some grenade shrapnel and they find out he's coming to some money and they think he's got it stored as a big lump of cash somewhere in this house that's in this uh, this area that's been basically deserted uh, like it's like a Detroit type area where all these uh, houses are basically just abandoned around him. So it's like his house and a bunch of derelict buildings around him. Nobody around to hear, no helps coming sort of thing. And they decide they're going to try and break in and rob him. So that being said, the main criticism (laughs) I have of this film, as far as the storytelling, is that uh, it is hard to side with anyone in this film. It just is. I mean, these robbers... Uh, young and 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 in trouble or whatever. Despite all that, you know, trying to give you some kind of justification for Rocky's actions to get out of the abusive household, they're all a bunch of little assholes. Okay, they're a bunch of assholes that are about to rob a blind old Gulf War veteran out of the settlement money he got from his daughter being run over by some hit and run chick. Okay, they don't know that he's some sort of bad guy when they're going to do this, and what he's got going on in his basement. They just see some blind old war veteran who heroically took some grenade shrapnel whose daughter just died, and they're going to go rob him. What kind of assholes, okay, are these? They're total assholes. So it's hard to feel for them or root for them because they're going to rob a blind old guy, okay? They don't know what he is. They find out later on that they picked the wrong guy to, to, to fuck with, but they didn't know that going in, so they're assholes. Sorry, but that's my criticism of the story. <laughs> if I could side with anyone in this film, I guess it would kind of be Alex, the young kid. Uh, the one it's, he's, he's in love with Rocky, and that's kind of why he's doing all this. He's very, uh, I don't know, only because he's kind of the least assholey out of the three. But he's still a dumb asshole for doing that for some damaged chick. <laughs> right? She's damaged goods. And you're, you're throwing your life away for her. <laughs> so, um, if I guess if I had to side with anybody, it'd probably be Alex. And he's not even the main character. He's just like the, the one that's in love with the main character, I guess. But whatever. Stephen Lang is awesome. He was awesome in Salem. Uh, I understand Stephen Lang came from the stage and this basically shows you just how awesome stage actors are and how good they can be in TV and film, what they bring to the table. Stephen Lang brings it. He's freaking awesome in everything I've seen him in. I really hope we see him in some more. This movie again, just does not let up. It is very tight. It's very tense. It just keeps going. Just when you think they're going to be able to escape the situation they're in, uh boom, another complication. They're just they're just trapped there. They just can't seem to escape. And oh my God, the dog. The blind old guy has a dog, like an attack dog, I guess, who is also kind of like a seeing eye dog <laughs> or something. And the scenes with the dog, oh my God, just will not let up. And, and you'll, when you go watch it, you'll see what I'm talking about. There's a scene with the dog in the vents when one of them's trying to escape through the vents and the dog is crawling through the vents after him, like the dog will not give up. It's like the Terminator. It just will not give up until you are dead. It just, dog does not stop. (laughs) (laughs) Does it sound like I love the dog scenes? I love the dog scenes. They're freaking awesome. Uh, I don't know what kind of dog trainers they had working on this film, but they did their job. Man, the, the dog scenes are awesome. There are, there's some great story writing here. Uh, like I said, good pacing. It's important for these kind of films that they do not let up, that they grab you, they grab your balls, and they just squeeze. You know, you like that sound effect? So <laughs> it just do not let up. Pressure, 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 pressure. And this movie does that. It keeps it up. I think that's why it's so highly rated. Despite the simple story, It just, it, just, it does what the writers set out to do. So definitely go see this movie. It's got some similarities, both good and bad, to The People Under the Stairs, which is a really old movie, dating myself. Uh, But this is a solid thriller movie. Hard to identify with the so-called good guys in this one. But once it gets going, it doesn't give you too much time to think about it much. It just becomes survival. You know, first the machines are going to fail, then the system's going to fail, and then it's survival. It's (laughs) Again, this had great ratings. I think it's going to be in the theaters for a while yet. You probably still got a chance to go see it. Uh, Proof that a story does not have to be really complicated to be great. Uh, Just the pacing, just grab them. Like I said, grab them, don't let go. It's awesome. So (laughs) that's what I have to say about that film Spiderwick Chronicles. Decided to see this. It popped up on my Amazon Prime feed. I hadn't seen it, needed something for the fantasy section. There wasn't a whole lot of offerings at the theater, except for like uh, Pete's Dragon. So (laughs) I decided to watch this and uh, let you know what I thought about it. Because I hadn't heard of it. Maybe you haven't heard of it. You know, that's one of the things I've discovered. I talk about a lot of these films, not just here on the podcast, but in my life in general, with people I meet, people I know from work, people I know from the gym, whatever. I talk about this kind of stuff. I guess I just think, you know, everybody knows all these films like I do. You know, they're just familiar with them like I am. And then I'll just mention something, uh, a certain film, like, what film was that? Let me write that down. Like, not everybody knows. So even like older films, I don't mind talking about them because I found out a lot of people haven't seen some of these films. So Spiderwick Chronicles, 2008 film starring Freddie Highmore, who you might know from the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory remake. He was the little kid. That wins the ticket. Okay. Sarah Bolger. I was watching this film and I'm like, I know this girl. I know her. I know her. I know her. But I guess because the only time I had seen her, she was older. She was a grown-up in. and this one, she's kind of a teenager. But she was in the Lazarus effect. She was like the little reporter that came to... I don't know if she was a school reporter or whatever, that came to report on their little uh, experiment or whatever to document it. But anyway, she was that chick. She's really hot. Okay. Sarah Bolger is. So... (laughs) <laughs> and she was a pretty teenager, so she grew up hot. So that's Sarah Bolger, Lazarus Effect. You also have Mary Louise Parker, who was in Weeds and Red. You have Nick Nolte. Uh, these last three are just voice acting. They voice some of the little magical characters. So Nick Nolte plays the ogre, Molgorath, Seth Rogen. Uh, what was his name? Like Hogsweat or something like that. <laughs> i'm probably thinking of welcome back cotter again dating myself the sweat hogs okay and then martin short uh all of those contributed their voices to some of their the magical characters in this film i am not familiar with the books i know this was a whole series of books a beloved series of books i don't know nothing about them i'm only talking about this film i would say this film was just uh it was fun to watch it was a really fun, uncomplicated, kind of sometimes funny kids' fantasy adventure. Not overly complicated plot. I wouldn't expect a kid's movies to be uh, complicated. You know, you know, you don't want to lose your target audience. This has the very familiar fantasy theme, and we talked about this before. It's the familiar uh, bad guy wants to get the thingy, and that must be bad. If the bad guy wants it for him to get it, it must be a bad thing. So we must stop the bad guy from getting the thingy type of story. That's what this is. <laughs> we talked about that before. It's really common in both fantasy and for some reason in superhero movies. Bad guy wants a thingy. We got to stop him from getting the thingy because obviously if a bad guy wants it, then it must be bad. <laughs> even if we don't even understand why it would be bad. If the bad guy wants it, then it's got to be bad. We talked about before it also like... uh <laughs> whether or not superhero movies are sci-fi or not. And uh, somehow just watching this made me realize, and I guess some other sci- uh, superhero movies that came out recently, like Suicide Squad, uh, I find they, a lot of these current uh, trend of superhero movies, they actually have more in common with fantasy fiction than sci-fi. So I am even start talking about them in that section. It's kind of like, Like a wish fulfillment fantasy, which we're going to get to in a second, kind of what this film is, sort of, I guess. Uh, The setup of the story is basically, you got this family, they're moving, they're moving into a new house. Uh, The mom and the dad split up, she's got the kids, she's bringing them to this new house that their aunt owned, I guess because they inherited it. Uh, Or it's just a place where they can live, because the aunt's still alive. Just a place where they can live cheaply, I guess. New house. New house has a secret room. The secret room has a secret book that these goblins want to get for this ogre. And it's this book that collects all this information about all the magical creatures that we can't really see without the aid of some some magic. And the ogre, I guess, wants to get this encyclopedia uh, of, of magical knowledge so that he can rule all the magical creatures. something. I don't know if it was really explained all that much what he was going to do with the book, except that it was bad. Like I said bad guy wants the thingy, must be bad. There are also a lot of other magical creatures along the way there's a griffin, there's a troll, I think they called it a mole troll there's the sylphs that kind of look like the little fluffy things that blow off of dandelions you know, but they're actually little fairies with little fluffy wings or whatever uh, so they got them all in here. The creatures, they have the good, the bad, the neutral, <laughs> like the sylph. They're kind of neutral. They're all there. And uh, that being said, it's it's it is better than average fantasy storytelling here. Uh, I talked about before. One of the traps that fantasy stories sometimes fall into is uh, episodic type complications or challenges for the characters. Uh, these are not like that. Episodic, I'll explain it again. Episodic is basically where there's a bunch of challenges, but they're unrelated. They don't really build the story or build the tension. They're just kind of like, okay, now you have to cross the Swamp of Sorrows. All right, now you have to cross through the Forest of Doom. All right, now that you're done with that, now you got to climb the Mountain of Terror and Pain. <laughs> but they're not really related. It's just you're done with one challenge, and then there's another next completely unrelated challenge. That's Episodic Challenges. Not the best. It works sometimes, but it's not the best storytelling method. Challenges should kind of build one upon the other and build tension and pressure and all that stuff. But this movie uh, doesn't really fall into that trap. It's they feel related. They kind of build one upon the other. You know, mom's not going to believe us, and then mom's coming home, and uh, you know, it's just uh, that's just two examples. But they just they do feel more related in this. Uh, not as episodic uh, there's definitely some emotions in this film that we can all relate to you know abandonment the dad that doesn't really care that uh leads the children on like i'm gonna come this weekend oh really meant to come but something came up and uh so basically the all these emotions that we see in this uh brings up a, another common theme in these types of fantasy stories and it's escapism. It's basically the idea that life is kind of crappy and dirty and shitty and all that stuff. But here's this whole magical world you didn't even know about that you can now participate in. And it helps you uh, escape and realize how great life can be, right? So it, this movie definitely has that. It's the escapism. Life is crappy, but look at this, fairies. Hey, everybody smile. So... <laughs> I don't mean to make fun, but that's a common theme. It really is. Go back and look at some of these uh, kids' fantasy films and superhero movies. Uh, (laughs) I also wanted to mention there's some really good uh, voice performances here. Uh, Nick Nolte, Seth Rogen, Martin Short. Uh, Of course, Nick Nolte and Seth Rogen were very easy to recognize. They have very distinctive voices. As soon as those characters spoke, I was like, oh, that's who they are. Turned into some really good vocal performances. Uh, But really, uh, Martin Short is an amazing talent. And his voice acting was just top-notch in this as the little ThimbleTag character. And uh, it was so good, in fact, that I didn't, unlike the others, I did not recognize Martin Short's voice. He's very, uh, (laughs) you know, like Jim Carrey has a rubber face? Well, he's got rubber voice. I I didn't recognize it at first. I was like, who is that? And it was Martin Short playing ThimbleTag. Really good uh, performance. He was a little brownie that turned into a, a boggart or something when he's mad. You feed him honey, he's happy again. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to mention that voice acting. There's some good examples of some good uh, voice acting in this film. I actually watched this film with the wife the other night. Yes, ladies, the captain is married, so... <laughs> I know, y'all are just all dying to know that, right? Uh But anyway, I watched it with the wifey, and we had a lot of fun doing it. I don't know if it was because I finally got to watch a movie with the wife at the house without the kids interrupting every five minutes. It could have been, but I also thought the movie was kind of fun. It was good. It was simple and effective. And uh, I enjoyed it and I recommend it uh, for you and the kiddos to watch. Check it out. It's on Amazon Prime right now and I'm sure all the other sources, however you could find it. But I had a lot of fun watching it, even if it was just because, like I said, got to see it with the wife. <laughs> Finally, got to watch a whole movie with the wife and interrupt it. It was nice. I'm not going to lie. So on to writing. I don't have a big like list of writing tips for you today. I actually have another resource that I've discovered recently. I watch a lot of these people on YouTube that give writing tips, stuff like that, just because even if I know them already, like I'll read the subject line, like, yeah, I kind of know that already, but I'd like to see what this person has to say about it. Cause sometimes they give you a different, uh, alternative view on it. So that's how I found this lady, uh, this young lady, her name's Vivian Rice or Reese. It's V I V I E N R E I S. And she's on YouTube. That's how you can look up her channel, uh, with that name. She's a young writer working on a young adult fantasy novel. And, uh, you guys know how i feel about young adult fiction i'm probably not going to read it it's not my thing doesn't mean it's not good if it is your thing um it, you know that, that's that's just your thing it's not my thing but i understand the attraction of it and why people like it particularly the young adults so <laughs> but i know it's a lot of mainly it's a lot of adults reading young adult fiction now uh maybe that's one of my things about it too but Whatever's your thing, baby. You know, that's what I say. I'm pretty open minded about that. All that aside, Vivian Rice uh is working on her first novel. According to our latest videos, she's almost finished. Should be coming out soon, I imagine. Uh but mainly I just love Vivian's channel. It's very uh it's very good, very clean. Uh she's very charming, and she gives a lot of good tips for beginning writers. It's sort of like a lot of my tips. I'm not a pro. Uh If I I was, I'd be, you know, be Stephen King. I'd be one of those guys. I'm not a pro, but I have a viewpoint kind of, you know, uh, also from a beginner's perspective. And that's kind of what she gives too. I'm not giving tips for pros. Pros know what the fuck they're doing already. I'm giving tips for people like me that are getting into writing because I, I feel like I have a little bit more experience than somebody who's just totally new to it. And maybe I can help. And Vivian also does that. A lot of good tips for beginning writers uh, as well as some good uh, information on getting started with Scrivener. If you're not familiar with Scrivener, it's one of those writing suite softwares. I've tried a bunch of those, Uh, I ended up really not using any of them, but uh, out of the ones that I tried, I'd say Scrivener is probably the cleanest and best looking writing suite apps. Okay. I'll say that. It's... Some of them get overly, hmm, how can I put it? They get overly involved, where you spend too much time planning and not enough time actual writing. There's a lot of distractions. Let me go adjust this on this character page, and this scene page, and move this around on the corkboard, and blah. And it's a whole bunch of shit, and you're not writing when you're doing all that. And you can get caught up in that trap of just rearranging cards And adding character profiles and editing character profiles and never write a single freaking word, which you really should be writing some words every day. So I find a lot of those writing suites uh, very busy, you know, background stuff that can keep you distracted from your job, which is writing. (laughs) But out of the ones, Scrivener is probably the least distracting, the most clean interface Uh, the least amount of just sidetrack stuff that will keep you away from writing. So if you're going to use a writing suite, and I've tried them all, uh, this is the one I'd probably recommend. And she gives, Vivian gives a lot of uh, good info. She has a couple videos about getting started with Scrivener, setting it up, and just kind of intros to it. There's more Mm -hmm. in-depth videos of Scrivener out there. If the intro videos get you started and interested in knowing more, just do a search on Scrivener on YouTube. You'll see a ton of videos out there. <laughs> I tried Scrivener, uh, but again, most writing suites were just not for me. But again, open-minded here. If it works for you, use it. If it helps you get that book finished, use it. That's pretty much my, my go-to policy on any of this stuff out there, any writing advice, whatever works for you. If something I'm telling you works for you, then use it. If something else works for you better, use that. So that's, (laughs) I know I say that a lot, but that's like my overarching, that is my biggest advice. Whatever works for you, whatever helps you get those words down on the page, you go for it. So go check out Vivian Rice's YouTube channel. Uh, I've watched just about all her videos now. I've got a few more to to be totally caught up, but uh, it's a very good little channel there for, for beginning authors. So, <laughs> I've had fun today with uh, episode 40. It's good to be back once again. Also, uh, you know, check out our website, orbitalzombadragon.com. You can listen to episodes there. There is a contact page with an email address to me if you want to ask me some questions uh, about me or the show or something you want me to cover. Hey, yeah. Check out our Facebook page. Like and follow us there. And please share. We don't really have an advertising budget here, so share the page with some friends who might be interested. Anyway, Dragana, it's time to light up them drives, get us out of here until our next transmission.